Today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. When it comes to choosing your healthcare provider, one of the most frustrating things can be network restrictions, but there's another way. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who actually pay one another's medical bills without the use of insurance. As a Samaritan member, you can choose the doctors, the treatments, the hospitals that are right for you and your family. Just consider this, a medical emergency arises, you don't have to check with an insurance company to ask which hospital to go to, you just go. And after care is received, your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries and they'll notify members to pray and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. This direct member-to-member sharing approach is one of the many joys of being a Samaritan member. It's biblical, it's affordable, and you can join today. When the body of Christ comes together to pray and encourage and provide for one another, burdens are lifted and God is glorified. This applies to all areas of life, including healthcare. It reminds me of the verse in Galatians 6.2, which says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you're interested in becoming part of this amazing community, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org forward slash dad tired. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash dad tired. John, I'm really excited to be hanging out with you today, man. I know you're a, a dad. You're a tired dad. We're literally, if for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see kind of our environments. But for those of you who are just listening... John's just sitting in his car. He like had a drive to get in a spot where he had the internet, which is just, yeah. I just feel like it's a good, uh, just a dad tired thing to do. Right. You're just like, just, yes. that's kind of what dad tired, tired dads do. We, man, we just drive around. Like we make things work. We got to figure stuff out on the fly. Yes. You know, sometimes it's internet, but sometimes it's like, what am I doing as a parent? What am I doing as a husband? What am I doing as a disciple? I'm just always trying to kind of figure things out as we go. So all that to say, man, I saw your book, Say All the Unspoken Things. And what's weird, uh, I don't know if weird's the right word, but I have kind of a fascination. Again, I, I don't know if that is even the right word, but I, I'm intrigued by death. And I just, I feel like it's something, there's two things I feel like we're not talking about often enough. One is space, mm-hmm. which I, I don't want to get us in this weird tangent, but I'm like, I just still can't get over that. We're just on this like floating ball in the universe. Like that just trips yeah. me out every day. I feel like we should all be yes. talking about that. But two, the second one is death, man. It's like, it's, this is a reality. Every single one of us are going to be facing mm. way sooner than any of us realize. And I just mm. feel like we should talk about it more because it kind of sobers us up and it gives us good perspective, mm. but you wrote a book on it and in, in kind of a indirect way. And just talking about, man, I, I know that time is coming, but, and mm. so I want to say all the things in my heart before that time comes. But anyway, I don't, I want to, ramble or steal words out of your mouth. So tell us who you are, what you're up to these days. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jared. I'm a dad of three daughters. So I'm a girl dad. Yeah. I wrote that book of letters. It was basically after their grandmother, my mom died. It was really weird. I remember feeling, of course, you're sad when you lose a parent. And so the grief is real and all that. But the thing I didn't anticipate, I knew I would be sad. We all kind of know that's part of it. But the thing I didn't realize was like the absence. And so there was no more kind of conversations. It was just like where there were conversations and there were stories and holidays, you know, like Easter's coming up here this weekend. And there were all those kind of things that was all over. And there was just a void. And I remember feeling a little bit empty. And I wondered, what would I say to my kids? Like, what would I say to my kids kind of in light of that? And it kind of created an urgency in me. So I started writing these letters. And what would any of us say, right? Like if you say had 40 letters to write to your kids or to any of these listeners, what would we say? What would we want them to carry with them the rest of their lives, even if we were gone? And so it was, it was kind of a kind of a sobering topic, but at the same time, it was a very, um, I don't know, felt necessary and felt like it was empowered in the right way. And 
and eventually I, I sent the letters to a publisher. I wasn't even, I didn't even start with that mindset. I, I really didn't want other people to read it. I just wanted it to be for my kids. And, but then I thought it might be special for them to pull it off a bookshelf. That was the, the idea to get it published just so they can walk into Barnes and Noble and like pull it off the bookshelf, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so that's been kind of my life the last couple of years is writing that and just publishing that. And then the dad, you know, today I'm going to be in the car line here in about two hours. I like to try to beat all the, the Karens. Like I'm the best Karen. Like I try to beat the soccer mom to be like first in line. And so today's going to be a challenge. I hope I'll be first, but it requires real dedication. Like a dad, you know, first dedication. Actually, this is kind of a joke, but I do like to be first in line. Actually, it's kind of fun. <laughs> anyway, um, that's kind of my life right now. Like soccer games and church and school and basketball games and just trying to hold it all together, I guess. Yeah, dude. Aren't we all? Well, first, how old are your girls? So I've got twin daughters that are almost 11 and wow. then I've got a six-year-old. Okay. So three girls. And so, yeah, they, they keep me hopping. You know, I think when it's interesting that the premise, first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. That's really, really hard. And, you know, when that stuff happens, I think, and you kind of move into that self-reflective mode. I think some of that for us, we just think, well, when my time comes, my kids will just kind of know what I would want them to know, right? right. Like they'll, they'll just kind of know, like, this is what dad was all about. And, yes. I think in, and, and I think in some ways that's true, but there's a lot, man, that we hold in because we're thinking about this stuff all the time. It's obviously right. our own brain. It's right. in our heads all the time. And our kids just didn't know it was there. Even if you are a verbal processor, which a lot of guys aren't, you know, they just keep right. it internal. And so for the guys who are like, I just kind of assume maybe subconsciously that my kids are just going to kind of know what I think of them or what I want them to know or what was important to me for a lot of our kids, they, they might not. And so I'm curious, man, like it was 40 letters you wrote, like what were some of the things that you really wanted to write down? For your girls to know about you or themselves or God in the world? It was really a challenge. It's like, okay, th this is it. Like if these are the things that's going to grow old with them, these are the words they're going to take with them even long after I'm gone, maybe to their kids. The first few chapters are about God and about the first one's called created, like you were created by God. And that, that answers so many things. It talks about our identity. It talks about purpose. Like, why am I here? Like if we're created and there's a creator who loves us and wants us to be here, I think that changes our mindset and really anchors us. And then the next chapter was with, and I talk about Christ and him being with us and Jesus is God with us. And I talk about home and I talk about canceling and, and how both cancel culture and your own shame will want to cancel you, but the father never cancels you. Like mm. the elder brother energy is like, hey, the, the, you don't belong here anymore. I write about how I've been both. I've been the, the younger son who's run away from home. And I've been the elder brother who's like the silent, try to be the silent doorkeeper to the house of God to be like, yeah, you guys don't belong anymore because you did this or you're, you're this way or whatever. Mm. You know, the father loves both of those sons. He loves mm. the lost son and he loves the judgy son who's mm. lost in judgment. So I kind of talk about that. Like you're never canceled in the father's love. Like you're always welcome home. The next section is about kind of how to be in the world. So like gratitude, kindness, brave wonder there's a, a section about becoming like a lot of kids i don't think think about who they're becoming hmm. and how their decisions are shaping them for their future and how their normals shape them kind of the way they grow up and then finding god's unique fingerprints on their life about mm -hmm. how god's designed them 
And then the last section is about relationships. And so it's about friendships, spiritual family, which is a lot of times we call church. I like to call spiritual family because it implies relationships a little bit more than sometimes when we think of church, we think of this thing we go to for an hour. And I don't really feel like that's a biblical idea of church, the whole biblical idea. It's part, it's a partial idea for sure. But the idea of spiritual family of like breaking bread together, sharing relationships is more of an acts vision to me. So I talk about spiritual family and I talk about uh, romance, which they're too young for and boundaries and some of these things. So I prayed a lot and I poured over the words a lot. And I'm so grateful that um, I was, I had the opportunity to put them out into the world and, and, I'm seeing a lot of people connect with it. I'm seeing other women connect with it that maybe didn't hear it from their fathers. Mm. And so that's been a real treat to hear as well. Was there any point when you were writing where you felt overwhelmed, where you're just like, man, there's too much I want to say to them. And you almost felt paralyzed by it. Yeah, I think part of it was the romance part was really hard. Uh, most of, oh my goodness, there's a train. How about that? <laughs> Yay awesome. for train. Yay. <laughs> so if you hear a train, I'm kind of overwhelmed by this train right now. That's all right, man. Uh, we can, oh. we can fight through it. We're dads, man. Yes. We, 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 this, <laughs> you know, I used to not sure. be able to, I used to not be able to sleep anywhere. There it is. Yes. I used to not be able to sleep. You know, I had to have like all the perfect sleeping conditions. And then when I became a dad, I'm like, dude, I can sleep. Like you, I remember I took, yes. I took a group of teenagers to Haiti. And it was just like rough conditions. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I was just sleeping like a rock. And they're like, how are you sleeping? I'm like, bro, I got newborns at home. Like I can, we can yes. go through yeah. anything. So yeah, the train in the background is like the, any dad's like, dude, my, my kid's <laughs> screaming in the background. Like I just got peed on. Like I can handle a train. I, I can handle a train. And, and, and you know, and to be really honest, like you asked about overwhelm, like I don't think the writing was very overwhelming other than some of my emotions that came up. Hmm. That kind of overwhelmed me, my own like feelings for them and like memories of my grandmother who raised me, my mom who raised me. But in terms of being overwhelmed, like this train coming, I think like what you just said is like, it's a perfect metaphor for how I feel often. Like, like I was working out yesterday and I did like this kind of high intensity, like short workout and I forgot my jump rope. And so the workout's already started and you're on a timer. So I run over, get a jump rope and I grab it but it's stuck. And so I pull the jump rope really hard, but then the whole shelf, it's like six foot tall shelf of like fitness stuff collapses onto me in the middle of this workout. And so pads go everywhere and like jump ropes. And I'm just like standing over this (laughs) salad of fitness equipment (laughs) when all these like really serious diehard people are in there doing their jumping jacks (laughs) or whatever they do. And I'm just like, I'm just like, what is my life right now? And so I kind of like, to be totally honest, I feel overwhelmed as a dad, not perpetually overwhelmed, but I do feel it quite a bit. I also fight their battles for them, you know, so like in sports or in school, you know, you feel like you're showing up because there's a teacher that has to be intervened with or a bully or something. And you don't want to be a helicopter parent, but it's funny. I I try to be an intentional dad. I try to model Christ to my kids and really emphasize gratitude and kindness and But at the same time, there are a lot of trains that just come barging through my life Mm. that make me feel like, man, I'm just not doing this very well. Or like I'm I'm the guy in the gym that doesn't have the jump rope. So he knocks over the whole like shelf Mm. of fitness equipment. So dadhood feels a lot like that. I think I talked about that in another book, too, about like on the A-team. Remember the A-team? 
Like you've got like BA who's the strong Mr. T guy. So he's like strength face is like the handsome ladies, man. Hannibal is like the leader and he's like always making every perfect plan. But then there's Murdoch and Murdoch is just like the guy who's kind of like up in the tree making bird noises or something like you never know what Murdoch's about. And I kind of feel as a dad, uh, to be totally honest, a lot more like Murdoch on a lot Mm -hmm. of days, like when I want to be BA or I want to be face or I want to be Hannibal, I feel like Murdoch. And I'm like, am I even doing this right? Like I can't Mm -hmm. even get a jump rope off the little wall (laughs) thing without like knocking over everything or, I can't even do a podcast like I was on that, like I said, that Jen Hatmaker podcast and without or Instagram live without like having my service interrupted. And like, she's just laughing at me the whole time because I'm too incompetent to like make my phone work correctly. So there are times I do feel overwhelmed. It's usually in the day to day of being a dad or like, as you know, dads of daughters, I grew up with a brother. And so we grew up like having bottle rocket fights, which I don't recommend, especially without safety goggles. You must have safety goggles if you're going to fire bottle rockets at each other. But I don't recommend that at all. So don't sue me. Don't do that and sue me. But we would do stuff like that. And we would like run through the woods and at night and like fight and do all this stuff. And so now when I have a girl who like cries because maybe, you know, her hair's not right. I just don't know how to deal. I'm like, it's okay, honey. I love you. And, but I'm just kind of like shrugging the whole time. So I do feel like there's overwhelming moments as a dad for sure. And I do think that's maybe where prayer gets more real and your friends and your support become more real and things like this, things like this resource becomes more real. Cause like, okay, I'm not alone. Okay. Here's some good encouragement. Here's some good wisdom for me. I think, man, that kind of desperation is a blessing because the amount of times I've been finding myself praying and like at night, just like, God, I don't really know what I'm doing. I need you to show up. Like God come and just shape my kids and come and save my kids, come protect my kids. I had a really scary incident the other day where my daughter, my three-year-old just went completely unconscious and I could not wake up. We had to call 911. It was like this constant desperation. Like God, I'm trying my best to raise my kids and to lead mm. them to you and to protect them and provide for them. But at the end of the day, man, I need God to show up. And, and, and that yes. alone is a blessing, right? Like blessed are those yes. who are mourning, blessed are those who are like weak, you know, it's like yes. meek. It's the guy in the tree making weird noises. You know, it's the guy pulling out yes. the, ju- the jump rope and everything's falling on yes. him. It's that meekness, that weakness, the, the hungering and thirsting. It's like, maybe there's a blessing in that. Cause it's pointing us back to the father the one who they actually need and who can actually provide yeah. all these things for them. Yeah. Um, and that you, we need. Yeah. Yeah. And that we need desperately. You mentioned being raised by your mom and grandma. Was your dad around too? Or did you not have your dad? around? Yeah. No, he left, he moved to Texas when I was two mm. and, and I would see him once a year after that. And so that kind of was the impetus for me kind of helping start the mentoring project and kind of having a heart for kids that didn't have both parents and didn't have a dad. And, that was another source of potential overwhelming overwhelmness and insecurity. Like, do I have what it takes to do this? Like I've never seen a dad. I didn't have a granddad. He was passed before I was born. I had some good mentors. And so I had some good sports coaches and karate teachers and that kind of thing. And some good mentors when I went to seminary for sure. But kind of growing up, I didn't feel like I fit in any of the man boxes. I felt more like Murdoch again, because I I was like, and that's, so I think I look for it through sports and like some other like identities that would get me manly affirmation. 
But then as a dad now, it definitely feels like I don't, the models I have um, weren't masculine ones, but were still really good ones. My grandmother was like infinitely kind in like a deep way. Like she would just so sweet and so kind. And they were, her and my mom were both so grateful. And so a lot of these letters in this book were really written by my grandmother and my mom years ago. And these lessons just the way they were in the world, their way of being Hmm. like my grandmother wrote me letters once a week for years. And so I kind of come from a family of letter writers. And so I remember even when I was in college on Tuesdays, I would get this letter from her, a long one every time. And it would talk about how she loves me and is praying for me. And, and it was on these little Monet, the artist Monet prints, and I would get them every Tuesday. And I just, I still have stacks of those letters and my mom worked three jobs. So she was kind of like the hardworking dad. And so she didn't write a lot of letters, but her whole life was like a letter, you know, because the way she showed up for us, she came to every sports thing, every karate tournament, every whatever. So I think they provided the content for my letters. I had a, another podcaster ask me what my grandmother if she was still alive, would write to my daughters. And it it made me emotional thinking about it. And then I I felt like the best answer was like her life provided me the content, this letter on brave about how my mom was brave. My mom was a 15 year old uh, high school senior. So a young senior, like by three years. And she was the editor of her school paper. And that was in 1957 in Little Rock where the Little Rock nine happened. And so she was the senior editor of her newspaper when the first African-American students came in to Little Rock Central and the governor was not stopping the riots. And so he was kind of complicit with the racists and it was a real big deal. And Eisenhower, I believe, sent in like 2000 troops for the whole year to surround the school and protect these students of color. And so my mom was writing out against the Arkansas governor and talking about how ashamed many years from now, we would be that integration didn't happen peacefully and without protest. So here she was a 15 year old senior standing up to racists in 1957 in Arkansas. And that took bravery. And so that's how that bravery letter starts. And so my mom and my grandmother both provided the content for these letters and kindness. And I know what kindness is because I was treated so kindly. And I know what gratitude is because for them, gratitude was a reflex. It was just like, they were always thankful every time I tried to do anything. And so I have great lessons from my mom and my grandmother. So I actually have a real good basis, but I don't really have much of a man basis, but I, maybe that helps me because I'm raising girls anyway. (laughs) With boys, I think I would just, I would just lock them in the backyard with like a German (laughs) shepherd and like a really tall fence and some water and be like, I'll see you at dark, you know, <laughs> like let That's the dogs funny. raise them. <laughs> Good That's luck funny. back there. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I was, I was raised by my mom alone as well. And I thought for sure I had three sisters and I thought for sure God was going to give me just three girls and I have three girls, yes. but I also have a boy, my what? oldest boy. Oh yeah. yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. So I'm figuring it out, man, as, as I go. And that's awesome. Uh, you would have figured that part out too, by God's grace and his sovereignty. Yes. You would have figured that part out too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, what's interesting, man, is my, uh, my wife, maybe 20 minutes before I came up to have this conversation with you, found a journal where we just moved across the country. And so we're kind of slowly yeah. digging through boxes and stuff. And so she just found this old journal and her dad has dementia and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's getting progressively worse and it's just it's really really hard 
but she pulled out a journal when he was first diagnosed with that. And she read a portion to me of what she wrote in that. And what was fascinating about that was my wife is quiet. She's an internal mm. processor and um, yes. we're opposite. You know, I say a thousand words to get to my one sentence point, you know, yes. but, but she says very few words and the words that she does say are very intentional. And I listened to her write this journal and it really struck me how I forget sometimes how deep of a well she is of mm. wisdom and thought and she just has so much depth. And I know that, you know, I know that, but then when I hear her write this stuff, I'm like, man, she's got so much depth. And the reason I say that is because I think there's a lot of guys, maybe I'll just speak to you, the listener right now, your kids probably know, especially for you as those internal processors or the more quiet guys, the more thoughtful guys who aren't going to say a thousand words in the yes. span of a minute, your kids probably know, your wife probably knows you as a, as a thoughtful and wise person, maybe hopefully, but man, there's just such a gift about like actually writing down and kind of exposing people to the water that's in that deep well. And so again, Mm. I just want to encourage like you as a man, Mm. if you aren't saying it out loud, like say it somewhere, Mm. say it somewhere. Mm. And if it takes writing it down, leaving a journal, something, I just think you've, you've got a, God has created you uniquely and uh, he's given you a ton of value for your family. And um, I guess just don't let it go wasted, man. Like write it down somewhere and pass that along. You know what else I was thinking is, Sorry to kind of ramble here, but I, I so appreciate what you've done and what you're doing. And it, it's just stirring a lot of thoughts in me. But the other thing is when you write out like those chapters, even if, if nothing really ever comes of it, what's really cool about it is it can be used as a template for how to parent and how to disciple now. When you're talking about bravery, when you write down the bravery chapter now, mm-hmm. it's not just something that will be passed on when you're gone. It's something yeah. that you've now formulated a thought and you've written it mm. down. And now you've got that tucked in your brain that you can use as discipleship intentionality now. Mm. And as they're growing older, and if that's all we got from it, even if they never got past the journal or, or the letters, mm-hmm. and even all they all that came about was you having a template, that would be super valuable for a lot of guys. Like, yeah. okay, what are the 40 things I want to pass on to my kids before they turn 18? I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Have you like seen yourself yeah, that's very good. After you wrote it down, like actually using it now. Yeah, I've had some pastors reach out to me for that. And I didn't even think about that when I was writing. It was very personal to them. But I've had a few pastors ask me for like study guides and different things. You know, I think something else that's a benefit of writing it down is we kind of forget as adults. You know, like if it, Jared, if you write me a letter, it would mean a lot to me. And I would probably keep that letter. Like it would mean a lot to me and it would go on like my shelf I might read it again, (laughs) but I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but I would appreciate it. But as a kid coming from your dad or somebody that you admire, it's kind of a treasure. I remember when I was 18, I never had a a man say he was like proud of me other than for sports because I was good at sports. And so sports was like my affirmation. But I remember a man who wanted to pay for my seminary and he wrote a letter and he said, I'm proud of you. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And he said, you're a good man and a godly man. And then another man said something very similar. And I I have those letters and I treasured them. I read them over and over again. And so that's another benefit of writing it down because it becomes kind of like this. It's almost like a flag in the ground. It gives you strength. I think it was one of the 
was a philosopher who years ago said, we find strength when we're deeply loved. And when we find courage, when we deeply love another, you know, so mm. when we're deeply loved by say a dad or a parent or a mentor, it gives us strength. And we draw from that all of our life when we have this deep well of love that someone's given us. And then when we love someone else deeply, like your children, you find courage that you didn't know you had. I was terrified to have kids and especially girls. Like, how am I going to do this? I don't know girls at all. I'm not even good in relationships with them. Usually I don't even know how to relate to them at all. And unless they want to go like watch MMA or something or go hunt and kill a deer, like then maybe I could do that. But so I was so overwhelmed. But, you know, when they came into the world, I had all this courage. Like I knew that it doesn't matter if the devil walks in the room, like I'm going to fight him gladly. Like I'm going to smile and be like, that's even though I know I'm going to lose, it's going to be really ugly. I'm going to totally just charge him, you know? And I think we all feel, you know, that as a dad, like, you know, that protective dad thing that you didn't have before you were a dad and that comes from love and it's a beautiful thing. So I think writing it down helps supply that well of love, that deep love, and it helps kind of reinforce them. One of my friends, after my mom died, one of the wisest things I heard, he said, draw from her love and the strength of her love. And you, you could draw from that the rest of your life because he knew how well she loved me and my brother. And so that was a very powerful word. And that's like empowered me as a dad to my kids. Like my mom showed up for everything, you know, so that's my legacy. My grandmother was first in the car line. So I don't have to be that, but fortunately I can work in my car. So I have the opportunity to do that most days and take my computer. So I'm going to try to do that. Like, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to be tender in their failings. I'm not going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on them to be something they're not. I'm real grateful for those lessons. But yeah, I would, I love that you encouraged your listeners to write it down. I think it's a lot bigger deal to kids than it is to us. Well, I know it is. I, my friends over at, um, my friends run an organization called dad camp. It's really cool. Mm. We got to partner with them last year, hoping to do more stuff with them in the future, but they have all the dads that go to this, that it's something where you bring your kids with you. The dads bring their kids with them. And at the end of the camp, you write down like a letter or a word mm. to your kids at the beginning of the camp, they take a picture of you and your kids and then they print it out. And then you kind of use that. They'll give it to you at the end to write a letter to your kids. And like I said, we're moving. We moved from South Carolina or from Oregon to South Carolina. Yes. And we're currently in a temporary home as we're waiting for another house. And I told my kids, like, don't, you can't unpack all the boxes because I don't want to move repeatedly. You know, it's like really stressful yes. to keep, keep moving. So just, you, can, you yes. can take like three things out of the box for your room mm -hmm. as we're waiting. And uh, one of the things that they pulled out, it was like a Rubik's cube, like a, a stuffed mm -hmm. animal. And then that thing, that letter that I wrote them yes. uh, with, with our picture. So yeah, I think you're right, man. I think you nailed it on the head. Like it means a lot to our kids, way more than I think we probably even realize. But I've really enjoyed hanging out with you and and being encouraged by you. And um, I can't recommend highly enough for all of our listeners go pick up, say all the unspoken things wherever books are sold, leave a review, but even just use it as a template for you yourself, man, as a listener and mm -hmm. as a dad. Like take these letters, read them, be encouraged by them, and just think what are like the forty or twenty or ten or fifty mm -hmm. things that I want to pass on to my kids and, and write it yes. down. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to print it. You don't have to like get a publisher mm. to <laughs> release it. Just yes. write it down, tuck it in your somewhere and just know like, okay, here's the things I want my kids to know. And here's kind of a template I'm going to use to raise my kids before they get sent off. But 
That's John, awesome. I'm, I'm really encouraged by you, man. I'm glad I got to meet you. Thanks for hanging out with yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jared. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode and it was helpful for you on your journey of becoming more like Jesus and helping your family do the same. As a reminder, we do have a retreat coming up in September in Arkansas. would love to have you come. You can do that or learn more about it by going to dadtired.com forward slash retreat. Again, go to dadtired.com forward slash retreat to sign up. I love you guys. I'll see you next week.